Hello, everyone. Welcome to Reiki Radio. I am your host, Yolanda, and today we are going to talk about how you can awaken with yoga. And we have a special guest. Her name is Dashima, and she is the founder of Pranashama Yoga, and she teaches yoga internationally. So she is going to share a lot of interesting information with us about her journey into yoga and how she was seeking joy on her path. So one of the things I would ask for all of us to consider and be open-minded about is if yoga can help you transform and how yoga may be just another tool to help us move out of confusion and into a state of joy and harmonious flow. So we will learn how yoga was a catalyst for Dashama and how it really supported her own self-awakening. And she shares how she went from foster care to living the good life and really trading all of that in to live out her passion. So it will be interesting for you to hear about how that all panned out and how she's now sharing her message and her practices globally. So this story is really full of inspiration and synchronicity to remind you that anything is possible. So a few things I just want to share with you first about Dashama is that she is a United Nations speaker and an author of Journey to Joyful. She's also a life and business strategist, and she even is offering a free download for all of you listening. And we'll talk about that in the episode, but if you look in the show description, you will also see the link where you can access this free tool. And it's really to support those of you who are interested in turning your practice into a business. So she has so much to share with us, and she is an award-winning innovator in the field of yoga and in conscious business. So I hope that you enjoy the show, and as always, I want to thank you all for being here. I am very thankful for those of you who have become Patreons, which supports the ongoing growth of this podcast. And if you are interested in becoming a Patreon, just go to patreon.com forward slash Reiki Radio, and you can see the bonuses that you will receive as being a contributor. And what else did I want to tell you? There's just so much and so many beautiful interviews coming up for you all. And I hope that you enjoy all of it. Thank you for being a part of the community. And I will see you after the show. Okay, everyone. So welcome to Reiki Radio. Today we have Dashama who is the founder of Pranashama Yoga. And I want to first of all welcome you to the show. And just to say, I'm really excited to have you here because so many people who listen have an interest in yoga, whether practicing or not. So welcome to the show. Thank you. So happy to be here with you. Yeah, I'm happy to have you here. So one of the first things I always like to ask people when they come on the show, just so that we can all kind of get to know you and understand your path, I know that you also wrote a book, um, Journey to Joyful, so which is a beautiful title, by the way. But I wanted to know if you could share with us what started your personal journey of transformation. Well, there's a couple things that actually catalyzed it, but 
I would say if I was going to sort of pinpoint the moment, it started when my mother lost her mind when I was six. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of like when life was like, wow, this is not what I thought it would be. And, you know, it was never usual. I never had like a normal life. My parents were very off the grid types of people. They were into yoga. They were into like, she had her own organic garden. They were growing a lot of marijuana back then, way before it became legal. But basically it was like a time where we lived in nature and they really wanted us to be connected to mother earth and to really appreciate the simplicity and the beauty of, of life through source energy and all that. And then my mother lost her mind when I was six. And so we ended up in foster home and I started really searching for answers really early. I was looking into religion. My dad had been Jewish. My parent, my mother's side was Christian. So I was exploring both of those, but I wasn't finding the answers that I was looking for. And then through a lot of years of, you know, challenges and many things happened and a couple car accidents later, um, one, one day I was 20, I think I was like in my early twenties, uh, was I had this boyfriend I had what could have been considered like a perfect life I had this amazing boyfriend we had a owned a home on a golf course I was like 22 and I had this great job and, and I had really built a great life for myself despite like this kind of really hard early life um, upbringing and it was just crazy because what, what happened was we got really into the church we decided to quit drinking and quit doing any kinds of drugs and just like be pure for God and and I had this desire to have the joy of God in my life and I had heard that from one of the preachers and he was talking about having the joy of Christ in your heart and I was like that's what I want I want the joy in my heart and I just immediately I thought well if Jesus is the way to do that then I fell into that way and so I was like okay so I gave myself to Jesus and I was like an evangelical Christian for a few years and that was like between age like 21 to 23 or something and I had this boyfriend and I had this job and I was doing really well in terms of all of that. But we had decided to become celibate because um, like in the church, they were saying, if you were having sex before marriage, this was actually a sin. And so I was like, I don't want to be sinning. I want to be totally in alignment with the perfect path of God. So I was with this boyfriend already one year. We were living together, sleeping together, and we decided to become celibate and stop sleeping together. And so we did this for a year. And it was like slowly I started to fall apart. Like it was weird. All my inner child traumas, a lot of that started to come up. I had been in a car accident when I was 18 that, that um, got, caused damage to my cervical spine. And I actually got scoliosis from that. And I never really realized how deep all of these traumas and impacts that had had upon me because I was always a very positive minded person. So I would just focus on the positive. I was really into fitness. I was kind of like a bikini model back then. And I was just really like, doing well in terms of school and um, all things kind of seemed to be going well. So I was like, life is good. And then all of a sudden I, I stopped having sex and then like it kind of made me go so far inward mm-hmm. that it, it started to bring up all these traumas that I had that I didn't know I even was harboring or that I had repressed. And, and it was just one by one. And then It was interesting because my boyfriend at the time, he wasn't having a similar experience. He was just focusing on his work and all that. We started to grow apart. It became obvious that we weren't meant to be in this, you know, like we weren't going to be married or something, even though we had thought we would because we'd been together three years. We had a house. So the point is that like I slowly got more and more depressed. And I think the depression was coming from this like 
all these traumas coming up and the revelation that like all the things that I had really focused on to build as a life, which was having a great career and having, you know, college degree and a house and a man and partnership or whatever, all the things, you know, and I was even, I sponsored these children from the uh, global vision or whatever, and world vision. And I was doing everything right that I thought I could do to make a great life. And in the end, it wasn't satisfying. So I was like, well, what, what more, you know, and I just went into a real deep depression and I started to be guided towards more like deeper spiritual paths. So that's when I kind of really got into like Deepak Chopra and stuff like that, like something maybe 18 years ago, I was reading his books and I had read many different spiritual books over the years. But, you know, one of the, one of the teachers that I was following at the time too, Jim Rohn, he was helpful just in terms of like, kind of thinking about what is it that makes a meaningful life? What is it that makes a, a, a life of fulfillment? And that, you know, when you look back at the end, you see like, wow, this is a great life. And how do you have joy along the journey? So anyway, I went through this deep depression and ended up breaking up with the boyfriend. I gave up everything. I quit my job. I quit everything. And I just decided I, I did a search online and I found this place. It was called Yoga and Inner Peace. And I was like, that's what I need. I need inner peace, you know, and I'd always been doing yoga and it had always been like this rock in my life that always brought me to a deep place and always felt good at the end. And I was like, I'm going to go and do this yoga teacher training. And it wasn't because I wanted to be a teacher. It was just like, because I wanted this inner peace and I had no other options at the time. I was like, what can I do? So I went and it really, it really changed my life. And it was, it was one of the, it was the turning point for me. Definitely. 10 weeks, we had to get up every day. It was an hour from my house. So I had to get up at 4.45 and drive an hour so I could sit in a dark room and meditate and chant. And I didn't know anything about all these chanting and stuff, but it just, it was making me feel better. Like the, the vibration of singing these mantras and the, the, the stillness that I was receiving from this experience of the meditations and the yoga and the music and being around these people. And it just started really changing me. And there was a deep, shift that happened at some point during that it was 10 weeks and during that experience where I remember I was at the beach and it was like kind of an overcast day so it was very like the horizon was merging into the sky and it was all kind of white and I and I just there was a song that I had been listening to every single day because at this training program they always had the same music and it was this it's called the Devi Mantra and it's like 108 names of the Divine Mother but it's all in Sanskrit and it was just literally like that would never get out of my mind. And then when I was at the beach that day, it just merged into this ohm. And it was like for hours, I just felt this experience of ohm for like four hours at the beach that day and nothing else, like no thoughts. It was the first time that ever happened. Like I've always been in an exceptionally overactive mind, you know, yeah. I, oh, I love to speak. I love to create. I'm always moving. So it was like, huge breakthrough you know what I mean? well I have <laughs> to ask you because a lot of what you said I mean I can't help but think of even like it reminds me so much of a lot of what a lot of people say on their paths I mean very different experiences but this whole thing of how so many of us are conditioned to really try to achieve these external things that are supposed to make us happy right so you're living this life and everything looks good on the surface. And I think it's interesting. It almost seems symbolic in a way that when you stop this physical connection with another person, it's almost like it seems um, like a, a, a break too from the physical manifestation of everything you created, this life, you know, that was supposed to be 
the good life. It's just really interesting that that's what sent you onto this journey in. So I have to ask you too, because you know, it's, it's really interesting everything that you shared so far. Um, once, even before you had this experience of the self-connection, the chanting, which is so powerful, you know, the chanting and all of these things that we practice to go within, did you process anything prior to all of that? Like when you were in the other phase of your life, we'll call it, did you have any moments in there where you did kind of have those like, let me examine myself, let me go deep, or was it really just much later when this turning point happened? I had many times where I was examining myself. Like for, for example, I, I've always been traveling. So when I was in college, I went to study abroad in Europe, you know, and I was there alone. So it was literally, and I went and I decided to just travel around um, Italy and France um, with a backpack for a few weeks. So I was literally like, it was always this part of me that I was always on this like solo journey, introspective, looking at my life. Because I remember at that time, I mean, that was earlier, that was um, before this experience that I was sharing, but that was at a time when I was also going through a, a, like a, an experience where I was working at a job, I was in college, and I was realizing that the people that I was talking to, connecting with, hanging out with, they just were going nowhere. Like they just wanted to have some gossip conversations about work and drink some beers after work. Or, you know, there was just like a loop of nothingness that I just, it, it became so obvious that that's not what I wanted to be involved in. And, but I didn't know how to break free from it. So, but when I went on that trip and I was in Europe and it just gave me that space and that clarity. And I remember when I got back, I was talking to this guy that I had been dating at the time and I was kind of breaking it off. And I was like, you know, we had great sex and everything, but ultimately like he was going nowhere. Like he just liked to go in this loop of talking about the coworkers and this whole storyline that I was just completely over with. And so that was one, I mean, I've had many experiences like this. There was yeah. like, you know, usually it comes to me when I'm traveling. I think that travel has been one of the greatest aspects of my personal awakening. I mean, I started traveling as a really young person. My mother, when she lost her mind, took me and my three sisters, so four little girls plus my mom, in a car on a road trip through Mexico and Belize and Guatemala. And she was trying to go down to like Colombia and she had this whole plan. But basically, so I remember being six years old, sitting on this um, throne at the top of this pyramid in the Aztec uh, ruins in, in central Mexico uh, called Palenque ruins. And I remember just sitting there in the jungle and I'm sitting there in the throne looking around and I'm just like, you know, these were like po points of awakening. But right. it was like, as I grew, and, you know, another thing that really helped my, my awakening, I would definitely say, is like reading. You know, I have been reading and music um, and movement, but, but reading because even as a young person, I was attracted to deep spiritual wisdom books, you know, and also was gifted some of them, you know. So, like, I remember my aunt, she gave me a book when I, I think I was like 13. It's called um, How to Be Like Women of Influence. And this was like, it wasn't like how to, you know, have a billion dollars. It was like Mother Teresa, you know, and like, and uh, Eleanor Roosevelt and these women who embodied qualities that were of excellence and you know each of them had a word that described them so you know like Mother Teresa I think was love or compassion and then you know there was like Anne Frank and I think hers was courage and everybody had these words but I remember at that time that was a part of my awakening because it was like wow I want to be like that like I want to be a woman of excellence and I want to be remembered for being that way 
even though at the time I had no clue what I would, how, you know, I had no clue on the how. I just knew that that's what I wanted for my life. And then like the pieces started to come together year, you know, over the years, but I feel like the awakening was kind of happening from the beginning. And, uh, but like these major cataclysmic awakenings where I gave up everything and like did all that, you know, those were a couple throughout, but ultimately even as a young person at six, we ended up in foster home. So it was kind of like this break from what I had, which is what you were saying, a separation from somebody, which for Mm -hmm. me was my parents. Right. And then like letting go of all that I thought life was, which was what it was at the time. And then a totally new reality, which was school and other people's homes and, you know, kind of chicken nuggets for dinner and like kind of stuff that you would never do like that I would never have done. So it was just like an interesting experience because I I had this many times in my life. So it's hard to say like there was this one, you know, it's like I I was been in like five car accidents. Each one of those was like this, whoa wake up moment almost died showed me so many things so it's weird I've had like a very unusual journey where it's like instead of this one moment like I always hear people talk about this one moment that woke them up that didn't happen for me it was like (laughs) thousands of huge moments that like contributed (laughs) yeah yeah well I love hearing that there's a couple of things you said I love because that's the thing too a lot of people sometimes miss the the like mini awakenings, if you want to call them that, because they think there's only like this one big boom where all of a sudden they're like enlightened or something. It's like, you know, if you really do sit back and review your journey, there are many times or many instances in our lives where we're like, oh, that was a mo- I can see now I understand and it all strings together. And listening to the travel aspect to you, um, I think that'll be interesting as well once we get into uh, Pranashama and the international retreats that you host. But one thing that you said that really struck me uh, is you knew you wanted to do something. You knew these things maybe had meaning, but you didn't know how you were going to be this great woman. You didn't know how you were going to contribute. And I'm glad you point that out because a lot of people do put this pressure on themselves or coming to the space of their personal awakening and wanting to share, wanting to contribute, wanting to something, be of service and get so stuck in the how. And again, often may miss the unfolding because we get caught up in thinking it's supposed to look one particular way. So once you had that shift um, moving into yoga, which kind of now is steering us towards um, what you do and what you've developed now, how did that start to unfold to you leading up to Pranishama? Well, so I did that teacher training because I had been doing yoga for years. Like I'd always been doing yoga. I was an athlete my whole life and I, and I was doing yoga the whole time too. So it was like, you know, I was even the leader of the stretching on my running team. Like I was always like a yoga teacher, I guess. That was part of my best. But basically like the, the true deeper understanding of the yoga came from that teacher training where I got into the mantras, you know, cause I, you know, I'd even heard mantras in classes. So I was very familiar but to do them, to actually chant and to let that vibration move through me was life-changing. And the meditation was life-changing because for me, I'd always had a challenge with getting still in my mind or body. So it was like life-changing to be able to find stillness inside of me for once. And then to, to be happy with that, to be you know at peace with the stillness and comfortable in it. Um, so that was like, when that started but then so it was very interesting because right away after I became certified to teach yoga I wasn't really I never set out to become a yoga teacher Mm -hmm. realistically I went to the teacher training just for my personal journey 
And I was like, I'm going to be a fitness. I thought I was going to be a fitness instructor. And I was doing that already. I, I had quit the other job. I had broken up with a boyfriend. And I went and I got certified by AFA. And I was doing fitness training at a local country club. And it was great. I loved it. I'm so good at that because I was really into bodybuilding at the time with weights and all these kind of functional fitness bands and balls and all the straps and everything. And I was like, this is so fun. And I loved doing it. I loved working out with people because we had high energy music and it was, it was a joy. And so I was like, this is what I'm here to do. And it was interesting though, because I was finding more and more people wanted me to teach them yoga. And I wasn't even really offering it. You know, I wasn't like, Hey, I'm a yoga teacher. It was more like, I teach, you know, fitness or I'm a fitness instructor and I can, you know, help you stretch after. Like that's how I was more or less positioning it. But, but it was interesting because, you know, in the end of it, like I started getting all these people wanting to do yoga with me and I was actually enjoying it so much that I was like, all right, cool. And like, I would do all these trades with my friends. Like if, like I had a friend that did facials and so I would teach her yoga and she would do facials. And so I had all these barters going. And then one, one of my friends, she was a, um, one of the fitness trainers, she was also able to make websites. So she taught me how to make a website, how to make my website. And this was back before anyone had websites. And, uh, and then I taught her yoga. So it was like this amazing, you know, currency, you know, that I was like able to tap into that even though I didn't have much money, I was able to get everything that I needed because I could trade this valuable currency that people were really benefiting and enjoying from. And I was doing it because I loved doing it. So, you know, and, and then, and then it rece I received so many benefits because so many people wanted to do it. Uh, we were just doing it a lot. And then, and then I ended up, one of the other fitness trainers, he was a boxing, uh, actually he was a pro boxer, and he was doing really well posting on Craigslist to get clients for his boxing. So he, he told me how he did it. So I got on Craigslist, started posting to give private yoga lessons. And I ended up getting like all these clients, like tons of clients, because I think I was like the only yoga teacher posting like to do lessons on there. And I had all these private clients. So I literally like had this really great full-time income doing private clients of yoga. And, uh, and I also did Thai yoga therapy. So that was like a combination that I would do with people sometimes. And it was incredible because like I like went from nothing, which literally I had no money. I was sleeping on a air mattress that had a hole mat hole in it like it was horrible I had no money to start and then I ended up making like 80,000 a year within like a year of that and I was like this is going well I was like actually I'm doing what I love it's working people I had clients that wanted to do like six days a week with me you know I was living in a wealthy community like in Boca Raton because my grandmother had lived there but it was still it was like such a good affirmation it was like a lot of encouragement to go this direction you know I was like okay I'm moving this direction it's working for me and it was bringing me joy and I was feeling good with it. I was teaching group classes, tons of classes. Some of my classes would have like 50 people and it was just like going really well. And then I remember I, one of my clients, he was the one that got me into YouTube. So this was like in 2005. I was one of the first YouTube channels that existed. And basically I, he, he helped me to make this video as a sun citation. And I didn't even know I put the video up there. I didn't even look at it for a year because we just embedded it into my my uh, website and ended up getting like 80,000 views in a year, which actually was a lot back then because nobody had any videos online. And basically it went viral is what I found out, which I didn't even know what viral meant, but I was like, wow, that's interesting. So I was like, maybe I should do more videos. And that's when I created the 30 day yoga challenge. So this was like the first yoga challenge in the world. Like I created online. Um, it was the first online yoga challenge. 
And basically it ended up going viral too. And like millions of people ended up doing my yoga challenge. So it was like a really interesting, a lot of early confirmation that this was like the direction to go, you know, but I actually had a lot of challenges back then too, because I got too overwhelmed with the response and I ended up kind of closing myself down because I didn't know how to respond to so many people. So I stopped posting videos for a while and I got like a lot of, a lot of things happened at, at a turning point, but like, that's when I decided, and I'll tell the truth. I was actually at this ayahuasca ceremony that I got invited to in Malibu, California. And I, I got um, this vision of this yoga school because I had always wanted to do something you know, bigger, I knew that I, you know, I'm great at teaching yoga, because it was like, it was obvious, I was getting this like, huge client list. But then I wanted to do something bigger. I had all these videos, I had all these millions of people watching them. And I was like, I think I want to do a school, you know, and, and I, but I was afraid of it, because I thought, well, you know, the traditional schools, I had no interest, you know, like this boring school, where it's literally like, regurgitating somebody else's thing from a thousand years ago or even like a hundred years like I have no interest in regurgitating or replicating somebody else's system like none of them felt complete to me and I really felt that what people needed more than anything was a system that would heal and transform them from the inside out and to do it rapidly and so I started to you know travel I was traveling around a lot I, I went to India I went to Israel I went to Hawaii and Costa Rica and many countries and I was you know, studying with a lot of different teachers at the time. And I started to put together what I felt was like a, a unified kind of fusion of all these different teachings, um, including even like Qigong and many styles of yoga, as well as different types of meditation and breath work. And anyway, I started and movement, even including dance and all sorts of stuff and in the diet and nutrition and all this other stuff that was healing me. And I was like, well, this is healing me. It's helping my clients heal. And so I was like, I want to put this together into my school. So that's what happened. And then in this ayahuasca ceremony, it was like, you know, I got this vision and it was like, you're going to do the school and it's in Bali. And I had never been to Bali before. And I was like, Bali. Okay. Cause like, I remember at the time, like eat, pray, love was really, uh, I think that was around the time the movie came out. And I remember it was like this big thing, like eat, pray, love. And it was like, interesting that Bali was the place of love. Because for me, India wasn't the message. The message was Bali. And I was like, all right, Bali. I've never been there. I'll go. I had total trust, I guess, at the time because I had no clue. How am I going to get people to sign up, pay this amount? Because I was charging, you know, thousands of dollars, which I hadn't done much of that before in terms of retreats. You know, I had clients that were paying like that, but I, I never had like somebody travel to the other side of the planet, you know. And so this was a huge leap of faith. Mm -hmm. And I just had this vision for the school and it took me like a year to set it up, the curriculum, get registered with Yoga Alliance. I did all the stuff and I uh, got approved. And literally, I, um, I started my first teacher training 2011 in Bali. So this will be our ninth year. Uh, I'm going back there in a couple of days, actually. We're doing a, another training there. And it's been an incredible journey. But that's kind of like how that started. Wow. Okay. So there's two things I want to ask you about all that. One, it's funny you just mentioned that because that struck me that it seemed like every time opportunity presented itself or you felt like, you know, the little light bulbs went off, you did trust and follow that. And again, that's like one of those messages I think is good for people to hear because we do oftentimes resist what's, you know, right in front of us or we don't trust and we hold ourselves back. So it's interesting that you 
just allowed yourself to go forward, not knowing, you know, what was going to happen. Um, but one of the things I wanted to ask you is about yoga. I did the same. I did yoga teacher training for personal. Totally. I just, I had no interest in teaching and I, I really went cause I wanted to learn about the breath to be quite honest. That was my main draw. But a lot of people, when they hear yoga, um, even though it's more popular now, people just associate it with the asanas. So I wanted to ask you really quickly, could you share, what is it that you want people to know about yoga? Like if you think about how it has impacted you and the different aspects of it, like what would you want people to know about it in general? Well, I agree. I think you're right. I think that that's one of the challenges that's happened right now, especially because with ma mainstream media, social media, and all the different things, we live in a very visual culture. So right. if you can see it, people kind of start to identify with that. So it's like the physical poses, asanas, they are the representation of this ancient lineage and, and um, practice and science and path. But it doesn't mean that they're not valuable too. So there is a lot of value in the asana mm -hmm. practice, but the most powerful part, like you're saying, is the inner experience, whether it's through the breath, through your mind, through your meditation, through the vibrational experience, it's an energy. And so all of these are tools. They're tools to help you to shift your energy into a different state. That's the way I see it. You know, the ancient right. science of yoga was developed as a system to help you to get to a place of samadhi which is the oneness experience bliss of of existence you know mm -hmm. and so really if you look at it the very basis of of all of any of it is to get to a state a certain state of being a vibrational state um and what i call actually and i'm creating a whole system around it with a book coming out next year or this year um called the flow state so the flow state is what what i call this experience which is like this oneness with everything, you know, connectedness and intact into the wisdom of the universe and channeling it and really high vibrational living and experiencing. And previously they would call the flow state. They would say that that would only be available to certain, you know, very high level achievers and athletes and artists and stuff. But I feel that my experience teaching flow yoga, which is what I teach over 14 years, is that that's the purpose of it. That's the reason that everybody's doing these things, whether it's breathing practices, meditation, or asanas, or the nutrition stuff. Everybody wants to feel better and to get into a better state. Mm -hmm. And the optimal state is what I call flow. So flow is when everything just seems to be working out perfectly and like you feel great and you feel high vibe and like life is good. Life is flow. And so that's the way I look at it. And I don't think any... I don't think anything negative about the asanas at all. You know, I think that I personally gained so many tremendous benefits from that because for instance, I had the scoliosis and the asanas really helped to heal my spine and right. to bring that into alignment. And a lot of people are dealing on a very physical pain level in life. So it's like if the asana heals your physical pain and helps you to be able to get into the next layer, which is maybe to come into the emotional level and start to explore where your pain is there. And then, go into the mental level and see where your dysfunction is there. And, you know, there's layers. We call them koshas in yoga. So as you sort of move through the koshas and clear them and heal them and one by one really reconcile all of the disconnection that is inherent in all human beings, then this experience of interconnectedness and oneness and the flow state 
can be accessible to everyone. And I, I love how yoga has become, you know, mainstream or globally practiced because even though most people are at somewhat of an entry level, it's a great sign. You know, we're moving towards the Aquarian age, you know, we're moving towards the age of enlightenment where literally like millions of people are doing yoga like every single day. And I was a part of a yoga class in, for instance, in the, in Dubai where they closed down the streets of Dubai and 10,000 people were in one yoga class. So this is a, this is a turning point. We're at a pivotal time in history and it's only going to, I believe it's going to get better and better. We have a little bit of a, a little bit more hard time for the next five years because Pluto's transiting out of Capricorn. But when Pluto transits into Aquarius in 2024, I really believe we're moving into the age of Aquarius. We're moving into enlightenment. Women, uh, I'm not even going to say women, but the feminine energy being honored and respected the way that it should have been from all these thousands of years. And really like finding that harmony and that balance and that, that beauty and the Libran, remember we were talking about Libra and stuff, but like the, the this kind of harmony and fairness and justice and love and beauty prevailing throughout. That's where we're headed. And I know that for sure. But it's like we still have a lot of cleaning up to do. So if you look at the majority of humanity, you know, we're looking at a very, you know, base level existence, like survival mode or, you know, pain in the physical body is a chronic, you know, issue, cancer being prevalent more than ever, all these kind of like physical ailments and diseases and stuff so now more than ever people really need to understand that it, you got to look inside you got to see where is that disconnect happening inside and then use the tools that are available so it's a combination approach that's why pranashama you know we call our, our teachers that i certify pranashama which are like energy healers you know really so it's like you know you can utilize all these tools whether it's breath whether it's meditation mantras kriyas uh asanas nutrition, dancing, movement, plant medicine, all the tools that we have in our planet, we can utilize love, hugging, affection, intimacy, whatever it is to heal, whatever it's disconnected inside of each individual. And with that, then we can reach into this bliss state or access the bliss state. But it's a process. So most people yeah. are starting out, you know, entry level. So awesome. Well, that's great entry level. That's what I wanted to, because I do want to get more into pranashama so people have an understanding of what it is. But I'm so glad you just shared that. And that's why I asked, because there a lot of people don't know that yoga itself is so multifaceted and that there are different components, you know, within the system of it. So I'm really glad that you shared all that you just shared with that. So moving into pranashama, what is this practice? And is it a particular sequence? And is it also for all levels of practice? That's a great question. Okay, a couple questions there. First of all, it is available for all levels. I've taught everyone from like very beginner. I taught senators. I taught children, elderly people. So everybody can do it. It's based around a fusion approach to yoga, primarily with vinyasa as the basis. So that's where the flow comes in. Vinyasa is a flow. It means to connect, you, you know, breath to movement. And so that it all flows. So that's the basis. Um, but there's so many practices and different workshops and techniques. So we'll do like yin yoga and Thai yoga massage or, or like um, different types of kriyas, a lot of kundalini yoga we practice. So it's really a prescriptive approach. So it's like whatever you need, there's something there for you. And we just bring it in and you can utilize those practices to move the energy. 
And like in the training, for instance, my teacher training, I have uh, workshops. So there's like seven chakra workshops. So one is for the root chakra. We call that the grounding practice. And then we have the second chakra, which is chi flow, which integrates qigong with chi breath and, and vinyasa. Third, you know, third chakra is the fire practice. So you use a fire breath from Kundalini um, and the vinyasa with a power yoga. Um, and then the fourth is about the heart chakra. So we utilize a lot of um, backbending and upper back and neck and shoulder openers and breath. And then the fifth is, uh, is the mantra vinyasa. So we actually do mantras while we do the practice. And, and sixth is the eyes closed. So that's for the awakening of the third eye. So we do the whole class with the eyes closed. And then the seventh is a crown chakra. So that one's really a lot of inversions and awakening the crown through different practices. So, I mean, there's all these different practices. I have a detox yoga practice that helps to detoxify your internal organs and, you know, all sorts of stuff. So basically, you know, it's, it's a fusion approach. We even do partner yoga with different acro flying practices. And, and then, uh, like I said, Thai yoga therapy. So that's kind of a partner yoga massage. So it's like this combination where I've infused and integrated all of the wisdom that I feel is, is really transforming people's lives, healing them um, at this time through energy, through movement, through breath, through all of these techniques, tools, and practices, and then, you know, putting it out through a system. Now, what it does is at the end of it, my, the teachers that are certified, they do learn like a foundational sequence, how to teach this class. And then from there, it's an open style. So I teach them how to access their innate creativity, which is also part of becoming a liberated being. It's not to be in a box. No liberated beings operate in a box. So like if you're teaching somebody else's sequence and you're always just like recur, you know, regurgitating uh, a memorized script, that's not liberation. Although some people might feel it's a good path to liberation. It will never lead to liberation because you're in a box. There's no box in liberation. You know what I mean? So it's like, okay, well, we have open system, which means that I give you the foundation. I give you structure in terms of the teacher training. And then people, I, I teach people how to be creative. I teach people how to understand the mechanics and the fundamental aspects of flow. And so you can, once you understand that, you can create infinite permutations of flow, you know? And so there's limitless creativity. So you'll never get bored with that. And that's a fun part about it. That's what keeps it fresh. That's how 14 years later, I get in front of class. I never plan what I'm going to teach. I always have an intention and I know the theme I'm, I'm going for, but the actual poses and stuff, those come organically through the understanding, the awareness of how energy organically wants to flow and adapting to the needs of the group and the individuals in front of you. And that's a great, that's a great teacher. And I think that the, there's very few people that can do that, but I've certified a lot of teachers that can do that. And it's a really, it's a very high level skill to be able to do that. Yeah. So one of the things I wanted to ask you about that too, because um, you're talking about the yoga teacher training, but I also saw that you do teach in different destinations. So are the courses specific to destination or are they all yoga teacher training? All the programs I've been doing the last maybe eight to nine years have been, I would say at least nine years, I've been 90% teacher training. Oh. But I've done retreats, I've done programs, I've taught at corporations, I've taught at, you know, even Sony Motion Picture Studios. I went in there, actually, I was speaking, and I did a whole yoga awareness week for them, and at universities, I've done different speaking events, and teaching 
in, in England at Warwick University and doing different research projects even. So there's many ways that I teach, but when I do these traveling pro um, programs, generally they've been teacher training because I always like to not just, I mean, it's fun. It's good to have fun, you know, like, mm -hmm. Hey, let's get together and do yoga and go play. But for me, I feel like the, it's like the greatest value I can offer is always to give you, it's like teach a man to fish versus giving him a fish. Like if I just teach you yoga for today and then you leave, you have that one experience and that's great. But if I teach you how to teach yourself and if I teach you how to teach others, now not only did you get the yoga, because you did, but now, and you got the experience, but now you can have it for the rest of your life, which probably for me is the best business model because then people have it for the rest of their lives. They don't need to come back. <laughs> but at the same time, they do come back. I've had people come back three times in one year just to my trainings. I mean, it's very powerful and transformational in every way. So it, it's for me, that's the greatest value I can offer people at this time in history when we need more people spreading light is yeah. to help them how to empower them and to guide them how to be their own guide, how to go out and guide others because we need that more than ever right now. So how can people work with you? So aside from the international retreats, are there other ways that people, can they work with you online or that how do we connect with you? Yeah, actually, I've, I've actually, that was a bigger part of my career than anything has been the online trainings. I have many, many, literally hundreds or even thousands of videos that are available online through different courses, through different partnerships, and also through my own platform. So I have like YouTube where I started out and I have hundreds of videos on there. People can access those for free. Um, and then I have all these partnerships. So I have courses on Daily Yoga app that has 30 million subscribers throughout the world and in China. And I have Udemy, which I have a number of co three courses on there that were the best sellers on the, on the platform. And uh, those have been really popular. And so Udemy is online learning. And then I have Allison is one in the UK and they have, you know, 12 million learners on there. And I've been very successful with the video programs over there. And then I have, um, you know, like Jillian Michaels has a, a platform called Fit Fusion, and we have our, I have my videos on there, and they have the videos in Broadband TV and AT&T UVerse, so you can actually watch the videos and practice along with me on TV at so AT&T. people can, like, literally go through, have a yoga practice with you, like, right now, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, like, on, yeah. On, like, online, on TV, on apps, on my website, dashima.com, I have my own membership, I have tons of videos, I have 32 DVDs that are available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, Walmart, Best Buy. I have every kind of way for people to practice with me. So, you know, literally, if you are trying to look for an excuse, <laughs> you, ain't got, you ain't got one because I got you covered from every angle, whether it's something you need for free because you got no money or you want a higher level program because you're looking for a life shift and a transformation. And, you know, or if you want to come to a live event because we have those two. I have everything available for people because I want to, you know, it's my life's mission really to transform and awaken humanity and help them to heal and to live in this harmony and oneness and to access the flow state. So I'm like, okay, I got all the tools and, you know, and not to say that my life is perfect. I mean, I go in and out of it. Like for instance, like uh, if I'm not feeling the flow, I use these practices for my own life. So it's not like I'm just sitting here in the flow state constantly. I do access it more often than most people probably, but I definitely go in and out of it. So if I'm out of it, I recognize that. And then I get myself back into it. I use these practices for myself. That's why I'm such a believer. 
because I know that it works for me. It works for everyone that I share it with. And so it's just a matter of a little bit of discipline too, um, because most people, they want a pill. People want a quick fix and a pill. And that is not something you're going to find with me. Um, I mean, there's certain things that work really rapidly. It could be like three minutes, two minutes, you can feel better. But overall, there is a process and it's a journey. And that's why I called my book Journey to Joyful. It's like, it's a journey. You think that you're going to have like snap your finger, all of a sudden life is perfect and you're just pure happiness all the time. That happens to very few people in the world. You know, there was like a few instances of spontaneous enlightenment, like Eckhart Tolle was one of those, you know, and like Sadhguru spoke about that. There's like few, less than five probably. Everyone else, it's a journey. And so you might as well embrace that aspect of it and recognize it's going to take some work. So find the, the journey that feels joyful to you, like find what brings you happiness and then do that and do it every day. And that's why I started the 30 day yoga challenge because I want people to do it every day, at least for 30 days, because you can start to rewire your neural synapses and start to create new programming for your life and for your, your health and for your levels of happiness and all your relationships and everything can improve with just some daily dedicated, focused, disciplined action and make it joyful and have fun mm-hmm. along the way. <laughs> I love that. Now you did mention that you have a retreat coming up now at the end of January. Um, what is the next retreat that you have after that? So I just have this one in Bali. It's February 2nd through the 12th. Oh, February. Okay. Yeah. It's February 2nd through 12th. We actually still have a, one spot left and it's amazing. It's what I love about this program is, is I started to do this 10 day option. Oh, are you there? Oh, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, sorry. Um, I started to do this 10-day version, which is what I call the hybrid teacher training, because I have so many video programs that we actually filmed on, you know, live at my teacher trainings in Bali. So I had like 100 hours of these videos. So I was like, okay, we can do 100 hours online and then 100 hours live for people that are busy, who can't get away for 20, 30 days. Right. And you can do the whole 200-hour teacher training, half of it online and half of it live. This has been the hugest success for my for my school because people can do it you know and some of them they love the live so I had like for instance one girl she came three times to the live program because she just wanted to do the live she did the online too but she loves the live and some people love the fact that you can do the other half online so that because they're busy and also it makes it a little more affordable and overall it makes it kind of more accessible to most people who maybe can't take off a month Um, so I transitioned into this so we have this 10-day program it's February 2nd through the 12th in Bali and I don't have one currently on the schedule, but we're looking at April in Tulum or Caribbean because I'm going to be over there in Florida after this. I'm going to be transitioning away from the island life for a while because I'm moving a little bit more into um, connecting with the media and stuff as I'm launching these two brands, the Flow State and this other thing called the Oneness Movement, which is all about making um, solving the global goals of the United Nations and stuff. So we have these two big things that I'm launching. So I'm moving back to the East Coast over to Miami beach area and uh and so we'll be doing a training in probably tulum and um possibly or somewhere in that region um in april and i've been getting a lot of requests for hawaii so i'll probably do a hawaii at some point in 2019 but i'm not going to do like seven per year like i did last year i kind of burned myself out on that so i'll probably do like just three or four at, you know so we have this one in february if anybody can come you're welcome and just let us know contact me but um, otherwise, we'll have like two, two or three other options for a live program this year. And I'm moving a little bit towards transitioning to 
uh, this the flow state concept. So instead of focusing as much on pranashama as the the name of the school, I want to focus on the flow state as the intention of the experience. And so that's really the transition. So it'll still be certifying. It'll still be a certification program, but it'll just be a little bit different, you know, uh, practices, uh, more high level, um, really geared towards flow state experiences. Beautiful. And so I have to ask you this before we get how to contact you online. With the flow state then, is that um, something also if someone, no matter what their level, they can connect into those programs or would they have had to start with Pranashama first? I really, I've been thinking about that. I feel that they do need some prerequisite because it's not something, like I actually had some people come to one of my programs and one of the girls, she was a massage therapist, but she'd, she'd only done yoga like a year or something. She ha she was not able to access any flow state because she has so many layers. Like, you know, you have a lot of layers you have to peel away to get to this experience, you know, and sometimes you can access it for a second here and there, but it really does take time to peel away layers and layers, unless you're just born with that vibration, which some people are. But overall, you know, so when, when I, I experienced that with her where she, she wasn't able to access it. And in fact, a lot of the experiences were very painful for her, whereas everybody else was like in bliss and she was over there like, I hate this. And it was weird because I realized, okay, so that's the, the message that I got from that was, yeah, like we need a beginner program that gets people to move through all those like early, like discomfort and pain and negative thinking. And I hate this and all that to get to the place where they can surrender into the experience and really get to the bliss of it. Because it's there. It's available for everybody. But if you have all those mental and all the emotional and the physical layers blocking the flow, you're not going to get to that. And yeah. so, yeah, we're going to have prerequisites definitely. And so Pranashama is a big part of that prerequisite system. The online trainings are part of the prerequisites, you know, and so that, and then also if people have done other teacher trainings, that can be a part of a prerequisite because, you know, at least you've been through some kind of immersion, you know, so that, that it doesn't necessarily mean that anybody is but like closer to being in the flow state because they've been through a teacher training. Cause I know a lot of yoga teachers that aren't in that vibration, right. but ultimately it's, it's at least some, some kind of criteria that we can utilize. So people that have at least have like a 200 or a 500 hour certification and that have been kind of on that path. I found that those are the people that are able to access it the, the easiest. Like yeah. one of the girls that came to my program in Maui, she, she, she lives in Chicago and she, she's been teaching, and she, this was her 500-hour level that she came to get with me. And so she was getting into the flow state. And all of a sudden, she was literally, like, loving mantras and creates. Like, she never loved mantras before. She's very, like, Chicago and everything. And then she left there, like, in love with mantras, in love with Kriyas, like, totally, like, a totally different person. And I just loved to witness that transformation because that's also what happened for me when I was, like, I was all, like, resistant to it, and I thought that was weird. And then when I just allowed and – surrendered to the experience and into the vibration of it to be you know just whatever it is that it would make me feel better is what I was welcoming in and then I just literally had that same experience and I saw that in her and I saw that in different people over the years and I realized yeah because she'd been teaching already five years and she'd already done another teacher training so she'd already peeled away many layers to get to that place and I've had other people with that same experience so I do think it's a high level and uh, so I am separating the two. Very cool. Well, where can we go to find information about both? And not just that, I mean, everything that you do, because I also saw about OM 
and um, even the connection with the ocean in that as well. And I wish we had time to go into that. I mean, there's just so many, um, I would say even like beautiful efforts that you have and what you're doing and what you're sharing and what you're putting out there. And it's just, I couldn't believe how much content and really truly of like, wow, this is beautiful what you're doing. So where can people go to learn more about you and the entire body of work of what you're doing? Thank you. I really appreciate that acknowledgement. I have worked really hard uh, my whole life. And I and actually had a revelation about it recently. I was like, man, I worked a lot. You know, it's like I did a lot. I created a lot. And so I'm like, I'm proud of that. But now I'm just in the mode of like, I'm ready to just, you know, take it to the, the next level in terms of helping more people. I mean, I've already helped millions of people. But just like in terms of like, how can I bring this to like the greatest fulfillment of my life purpose? And so that's when I started to develop the uh, oneness movement and that's like this thing that's really dear to my heart it's called the oneness movement the acronym is ohm and i really believe you know ohm is the sound like the original primordial sound of the universe and most people are not aware of this but basically ohm was the first thing that existed in the, in the in the universe so it's like so important and it's like the basis of all creation came from that this beautiful sound and anyway so ohm the oneness movement is my vision and it's it's coming together and it's a way that I have, you know, envisioned to help solve the United Nations global goals. You know, I got to speak at the United Nations and I really learned that they are looking for people who have solutions and they're open to that. So I, I had this idea and, I'm, and we're going to be working with them. And basically it's to unite. So oneness is all about, you know, bringing together and uniting to unite all of the, you know, leaders and the change makers and the influencers and celebrities and people, companies, even whatever brands. People that are, you know, on the same mission to help solve these global goals. And the first one we're starting with is the ocean and the plastic pollution. Because for me, I feel that the ocean has been my longest and dearest friend. You know, like when I go to the ocean, I am at home. And, I, and I, when I'm in the ocean, everything feels good. Like everything, I'm in the flow. You know, like life is like, what was my problems again? Bye. You know, so like for me, the ocean is so important. And when I was in Bali... And in many countries, I notice there's just so much trash. And, you know, now you see it more in these viral videos and all this trash. The plastic pollution problem, there's like hundreds of trillions of tons of plastic in the ocean. And it's actually like getting in all the whales and the dolphins and all the animals are suffocating and, you know, getting cancer and all this stuff because of this. Right. This is a huge problem. So anyway, I mean, I could go into that for days, but I created this solution. It's called Oneness Movement, Ohm for Oceans is the campaign. And I have a website, ohmforoceans.org. It's actually just a page on my site at dashima.com. So if you go to dashima.com, you can kind of access all of these links. I think it's under programs in the navigation. You can see the drop down and you can see the links. And there's one for Ohm for Oceans or the Oneness Movement. There's one for the Flow State. We're going to have an online telesummit with that. And then I'll have, I'm creating a movie and a book. So that's a really exciting uh, brand that I'll be launching as well as these trainings. And one of the things with the trainings that we're doing is we're getting we're in the process of getting the approvals to offer continuing education for medical professionals, so doctors and nurses, to be able to teach them these practices, not only for their own benefit, but so they can start to disseminate these types of tools and techniques and healing methods to their patients, because that's the real solution for sickness, not these pills and surgeries and stuff. So I, I feel really passionate about that. That's a whole nother long topic but you know, I have to say I'm really glad to hear you say this because I think it will encourage and inspire a lot of people who see like the world out there separate from their spirituality you know and I always joke with people like 
you have to like live your practice off the mat. Like, you know, our practices in our everyday life, like how you treat the person on the street and everything else. But I like um, listening to what you're sharing and the different partnerships and initiatives that you're connected to, because I, I think it shows the way we are all moving globally with that connection where spirituality meets the world. You know, it's not this separate thing and how that infusion really is what creates the shift for all of us collectively. So, so glad to hear um, all that you're doing. And I hope that that really encourages and inspires a lot of people to know that they're not in this little secluded bubble that changes <laughs> yeah. happening in big ways. Exactly. Because I know so many people, you know, I've certified hundreds of teachers and I know so many people who want to make a difference. And it's really mm -hmm. just like, you know, they don't know exactly what to do or how. So this is why I was like, okay, part of my life purpose, because I'm like a human design, I'm a projector. Part of my life purpose is to help people, guide people's energy. And I just know, like I get these visions, I'm very clairvoyant, clairsentient. I see all these visions of what needs to be done. I know I can't do it alone. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, we need oneness here, people. Everybody band together, put in a hand. We got this, you know? Mm -hmm. Imagine we had, like let's say a thousand people that each can reach a million people we have a billion people right there in like an instant you know what i mean so it's like it doesn't take much honestly that's mm -hmm. actually the interesting thing and the other thing that i wanted to share with your viewers if you are interested i actually created this program because one of my one of the things that i over the years after certifying all these teachers and doing all these business initiatives is that People who have come to me, I've found that they want to make a difference. They want to actually maybe uh, make a career or a living doing what they love, but they don't know exactly how to get started or how to do the business side of it. So I created this free um, webinar, and I would like to offer it to your uh, audience as well. And it's, um, it's basically 22 secrets, uh, success secrets on how to build a dream business and build the life of your dreams while getting paid, doing what you love. And it's free and it's on my website too. It's, it's dashima.com forward slash MBA. So it stands for Master mm -hmm. Business Academy. MBA, like you get at the university. Right. So this is like the new age MBA. It's like, you don't need to go to two to three years over there. You can do this, it's online, but this is the um, webinar and it's free and it's like about an hour, but it gives like all my secrets, like my blueprint of how I built my brand, my company and how I reach all these hundreds of millions of people to, with my message already. And you know, it's just a gift that I want to offer to, especially to spiritual entrepreneurs, because people, you know, I know a lot of people that pr practice like Reiki or um, yoga, and they teach and they, they're healers and they're life coaches. But it's like, how do you really amp that up and take your message out there to a, in a bigger way? And right. so that's what the webinar is about. And so I'll give that as a gift. That is well. such a beautiful offering. Thank you so much. So I just want everyone to know now, and it will be in the show description as well, of course, all the links to you, how to reach you on social media. But dashama.com is D-A-S-H-A-M-A.com forward slash M, B as in Bob, A, and they can access that right away. But I mean, of course, while you're there, I mean, look at her site and see all of the beautiful work that she's doing. And maybe some of us will see you at one of these retreats. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I'm really thankful we had this conversation and I thank you for coming to share with the community. Thank you so much. So happy to meet you and have a beautiful blessed day. You too. Namaste. Namaste. Okay, so I hope that you enjoyed that interview with Dashima. And don't forget, if you want to access her free offering to us, go to dashima.com forward slash MBA.
D-A-S-H-A-M-A. That's D-A-S-H-A-M-A dot com forward slash M as a Michael, B as in boy, A. And I also want to thank all of you who have taken the time to rate and review the show. It really helps to support the growth of the show, and I am in deep gratitude for that. And thank you and welcome to all of the new members of the Seeker Circle as well. We continue to share and exchange in that space. And if you want to join us on Facebook, it is a free community where you can share your stories and be supported by others in the group as well. So I look forward to working with you all, learning more from you all, and you can go to my website to learn more about my work and and some free offerings for you as well. So that is it for today. I will see you all next week and remember to always journey in love.